0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the YAM Podcast. My name is Nahal Hakbeen and I am your host. Today I have a very, very special guest for you. This is my very own Bhagavad Gita teacher here, just spewing out some wisdom left, right and center and giving me brain seizures and whatnot. We talk about unpardonable sins, we talk about jealousy, we talk about anger, we talk about purpose, practicing gratitude. My gosh, what did we not talk about? Anyways, I will let you guys listen to it before spoiler alerting it all over the place. I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Yam Podcast. My name is Nala Hafin. I am the host, and today we have a very special guest. I cannot tell you how long I've been waiting to have this conversation for. This is a dream come true, Sunita Ji. So, thank you so much for coming on the Yam podcast. This is really truly an honor for me to have you. So, the way I know Sunita Ji is we're in a Bhagavad Gita study group book together, and she is the teacher. And I have the fortune of frequently being able to ask her questions. And today I have you all to myself. So I'm like so excited <laughs> that we can like really go deep with this. And so this is actually a question that I really, I don't know myself. So I'm, a, I'm really excited to have this conversation also because I get to know a little bit about where your interest in the Bhagavad Gita even came from. Where did it start? How did it develop? And where did it get to the point where you were moved to teach it?
1: Um, okay, so actually, there were many, many chances I had to learn Bhagavad Gita. Going back when twenty years, I mean, being Indian, we hear about Bhagavad Gita from childhood. But you know, the the, the picture in the front cover has it, it's like a it's in the middle of the war, uh, war field, right? So I wondered what what would be so appropriate about reading a scripture like that. So, so actually,
0: I, before I go into it, like maybe some of our listeners don't actually know what the Bhagavad Gita is. Could you tell us what it is?
1: Bhagavad Gita is one of the most revered sacred books of uh, Hindu religion. Uh, I'm actually a Sikh married to a Hindu, uh, but I got interested in learning more about Hinduism because that's what I wanted to teach my children as well, along with a bit of Sikhism. We are not religious, we are spiritual. So Bhagavad Gita is a, a book of 18 chapters, 700 verses, and it is a dialogue between Krishna, Lord Krishna, and Arjun in the battlefield. So just before the battle was going to start, this was a battle which happened 5,000 years back, right? right? And just before the battle was going to start, the greatest of greatest warrior, Arjun, suddenly became confused because on the other side, he saw all those who were related to him, his own teachers, his, his grandfather, his cousins. This was a war of righteousness. So he, he came with this thing that I'm going to teach the evildoers a lesson and I'm going to bring back righteousness in the society. But when he saw on the other side that it was all people related to him, suddenly he became weak. Suddenly those duties which he was supposed to do as a soldier, as a warrior, worry came over him uh, because of attachment. Mm. And uh, so then he turns to his friend, Sri Krishna, to advise him what he should do. And then he, he takes him as his guru. And then Sri Krishna gives him this knowledge which is relevant even today. It's an eternal knowledge for for people of all walks of life at every stage in life uh, of spiritual involvement. So this is really the the spiritual diary, like Mahatma Gandhi called it a spiritual diary. So if you have a problem and you think of the question and you hold the Bhagavad Gita with reverence and open it, they will be the answer for you. Mm. Yeah, So many people
0: Um, actually say that with like Persians, like I'm ethnically Persian and they really use that as kind of like a tarot card, like Hafez poetry, where they open Hafez's poems and they, whichever verse they get to in the poetry, that's basically your answer to your question and you're supposed to get into a really meditative state. So I'm actually really happy to hear that the Bhagavad Gita is also used in that same manner. so i think there's you mentioned the word guru and a lot of people i think hear it but they don't know the
1: meanings could you please tell us okay so guru basically is made up of two words gu and ru gu means darkness ru means remover so one who removes darkness and in uh, spirituality darkness means ignorance Mm. and ignorance is not as we know as you know not having information ignorance here means in the spiritual terms Knowing who we truly are. We are actually divine beings. Mm. Not knowing that is the biggest, our biggest ignorance. Mm. Um, and that we are here for a certain purpose. We have all come here for a certain purpose.
0: Mm. Not
1: knowing that is a, is another big ignorance. And that we all have a duty. There are different layers of duties. Not knowing our duties is another ignorance. So all this, these ignorances can be removed by a guru. It doesn't have to be a living master. The guru is a is actually an energy, Guru Tattva. Anything and everything can teach you. Nature is constantly teaching you. Mm-hmm. The guru Tattva is constantly teaching you through children, through ants, through birds, through trees, through plants. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but when you have a living master, mm-hmm. then you are taught a technique. Mm-hmm. And you're guided through that technique to evolve spiritually. Mm-hmm. And as you do those techniques, you may may falter or you may experience things where you need to know how to handle those energies and so on. So the guru, guru needs to be there—a living master. Mm-hmm. Best are those who have a living master, but if you don't have or if you don't believe, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Nature has its own way to bring the guru Tattva to you to bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually. Another guru as well in Sikh religion, our guru is our Granth Sahib. And what is the Granth Sahib? A, a holy book. A holy book in which uh-huh. the teachings of all the 10 masters uh, has been incorporated, and many other masters at that time of different religions.
0: I have like 75,000 questions right now.
1: <laughs> and I'm like thinking, I'm like, I don't know which one to ask. <laughs>
0: gosh. I love this. This is literally what our study group is like. I'm having a seizure of questions in my mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, let me slow, slow it down one by one. One thing that I actually don't really know much about the difference between Sikhism and Hinduism and where are its origins. Like I thought Sikhism was a branch or the prophet is Krishna, right? In Sikhism, but I I really don't know. So could you tell us that difference? Uh,
1: Sikhism is only about 550 years old. Okay. Um, And first we have 10 gurus, 10 masters. 10 masters. Uh, There's a lineage of masters for over (laughs) 200 years. And the first guru was Guru Nanak Dev Ji, Guru Nanak was no, our like... first master yeah and all our all our gurus were from hindu families uh-huh. uh, and he came at the time where hinduism had become very corrupt in the hands of the priests and they were misinterpreting misinterpreting the great depth of hindu scriptures for their own personal gain mm-hmm. and it was becoming more and more ritualistic and everything all the focus was on rituals fear you know, uh, actually, Hinduism doesn't encourage fear of God. We love God. We don't fear God. And that's something we must inculcate in our children. The, the, our relationship with God should not be one of fear. So because of fear, a lot of uh, got into rituals and it went out of hand and everything was like missing. So that was the time where the Mughals had come in as well at that time. So there was a lot of confusion Another new religion coming in. So at that time, there was a need for guiding the people. Mm-hmm. To to a path where they will it will bring clarity. In Hinduism, again, the, the status of the woman had fallen a bit mm-hmm. quite a lot, you know. So to lift woman empowerment. So these things we go through cycles in every every culture. So attention needs to be brought back to what our real purposes, what should be our relationship with God, and so on. So he was the first master who did that. And along with him, he, he said that there is no difference between a Hindu and a Muslim. There was too much differentiation being shown. We are Mm -hmm. all people of God. We are all the same. So he didn't create any religion. The Sikh religion started with the 10th guru. After that, it was the Guru Grand Sahib, the the sacred book. But our gurus were bringing peace between the two religions and showing us the the true path. It was the need of the time. Mm
0: -hmm. So. I wanted to go back to actually one of the questions that you were mentioning earlier. So, you said we're here on this planet for a purpose. For people who are listening to this who do not have a guru, as you mentioned, we don't need to have one, right? Or we use nature. How would we actually go about finding this purpose? You mentioned scriptures, you mentioned nature. If a person is listening to this and is like, yeah, exactly. I know I have a purpose living on this planet, but how do I know or how do I go and find it? And how do I know what I'm looking for is correct?
1: So there are two layers of purpose. One is a general and one is specific to us. So at least we can start with the general purpose. Mm-hmm. What is common to all. Okay. So first of all, the purpose Common to all is that we have to realize we are divine beings. Mm-hmm. We are the cream of God's creation on this planet. Uh, there might be many other realms in which there is life, right? Mm. So it is our responsibility to make sure that there is harmony in our environment. Mm. That's one of our duties. Purpose comes a duty. So one of the main duties, Shri Krishna says it very clearly in chapter three of, of Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. where he explains that we all are here for a certain purpose mm-hmm. and we have to work in harmony with the elements of nature, mm-hmm. with, the, with the celestial forces, mm-hmm. very clearly. And he says that the celestial forces have given us, you know, all that, the, the vegetation, the weather, the plants, the, the sun and all those things. We have to work along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to be grateful. Mm-hmm. If we don't, then we are thieves. Mm. If we don't do our bit, then we are thieves. We are just taking things for free all the vegetation, the flowers, the beautiful scenery, mm-hmm. the sunset. We are taking it all for free. He says, actually, we are thieves if you're just taking and not returning back. In spirituality, mm-hmm. we give back as well. We share and we, we are responsible for creating harmony. We work along in unity not only with the human being but also with the forces of nature so this is the greatest lesson on ecology mm. so what are we doing mm. are we doing recycle reduce this is one of my my favorite projects reduce recycle and reuse mm. are we doing anything towards that that is our general purpose everybody's purpose wow. then we- we all are, uh, then again, he says that if you haven't, uh, there's another verse, which say I can share these verses later on with you. I can it keep
0: it, I'll put it in the blog so everyone can see it too and can go check it out.
1: So then there is another one where he says that if we don't pursue what our purpose is, then our life is has been in vain. We have wasted this precious human life that mm-hmm. has been given us because in in, uh, Bhagavad Gita we talk about uh, reincarnation we are born we choose to be born to certain parents and that's where parenthood is also very important so if we haven't served our purpose then this precious life has been wasted Mm -hmm. and that purpose is which also includes get connected to God
0: sorry, I just wanted to just reiterate the importance of what you just said. I've just had like 10 realizations (laughs) as you're speaking. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, literally, so many coins are dropping in my mind. It's like literally like uh Las Vegas, like ching. I like Uh like it's all (laughs) as soon as you speak, everything just drops, and I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. One thing I just wanted to share also that in the Baha'i writings we don't really talk about sin, but there are two unpardonable sins. And when you were talking about stealing, when you were talking about waste, this is like one of them. And this is one that actually many of my fellow Baha'is don't even know about. Like I've actually never had a conversation with another Baha'i person without me being the one bringing it up. That they know about this because we just don't talk about sin, but the unpardonable sin is prodigality. And I didn't really know what this word means and I still really don't. But when I Googled it, it was excessive luxury and excessive waste. And I was thinking wastefulness, almost like having like a table full of food and then just wasting it because some cultures love to boast about their own wealth and all these things or in in royal families or in the kingdoms, okay. like, you know, they'll invite people over and they just have like excessive waste. That is an unpardonable sin. Okay. And when you were talking about stealing that all of these things that if we're, just taking all from mother nature and whatnot, and we're not giving back and that it's a form of stealing. That just helped me realize a couple of days ago, I was teaching a physical yoga class and I'm doing it on the yamas and the niyamas, which are the Mm -hmm. do's and the don'ts, the universal vows. Yeah. And the third yama, which is the first, the things that you must at always practice with the outside world, first is non-violence, second is truthfulness, satya, and the third is asteya, stealing. And I was actually teaching this literally just last week and I was like trying to describe how we physicalize stealing. And I was talking about it mostly in terms of how we're in a yoga class and we steal a gaze from someone else. And so I was talking more about it from that. But just as you were talking about stealing in this way, I was like, oh my gosh, I like wish I like can go back <laughs> and re-record that class, which I will actually at some point, and And just talk about like the way you did, because if we're constantly just taking from our environment and our things and just the resources around us. And we're not one giving praise. I don't think I, I definitely don't give enough praise. I know this when I was reading the Quran, basically reading the Hafez poems, which led me to the Quran. One of the main themes that kept coming up was actually a lack of gratitude. Mm -hmm. God is so bountiful and so merciful and just all giving and yeah. like, when did you give thanks? And I'm like, oh, my God, I when did I give thanks? I give thanks quite often. I have a pretty good gratitude practice. But the way in which it was saying that literally everything is given to you by God, your mouth's got to be glued on praise. And yeah. it's just constantly going to be praising God for just everything that you have, because everything is yeah. given by him.
1: Talking about that, I do have a few Muslim friends and I've learned a few things from them. And I practice that almost every day. I mean, or, or when I'm connected to it, is that when somebody has given you a gift and mm. when you're using, you're enjoying it, mm. bless that fam- bless that person and the family. Mm. When you start doing it at a personal level, automatically you will also then upgrade to nature. If, if That is if you increase your awareness. Mm. So... Even now, like when I say you somebody gave me a gift, certain gift, and I'm using it. Say a handbag. So every time I use and enjoy it, I said, at least one time my attention will go there, and I say you know, thank you so and so. i I bless and and you know God bless her and God bless her family too. So you mm. are constantly expanding yourself. You know, not mm. in that little zone where you're only praying for yourself or your family mm. or immediate family. You're expanding because we are all connected. Mm. and gratitude could be one way of connecting to a larger
0: definitely let's just move on to the second unpardonable sin which actually you kind of mentioned already talking about parenthood and how we're all here for a purpose and like we chose our parents and all that the second unpardonable sin in the baha'i faith is that if you neglect the education of your children And it's actually surprising that this is coming up here. I had no intention of talking about it, but that's actually the entire basis of Yoga Avikma. The whole Yoga Avikma is my business. And the entire objective is to help people avoid whether or not they believe these two unpardonable sins. And the way we do this is. First, we want the children to be okay, but we do that by caring for the mothers. So this podcast is really a service for mothers, not only Mm -hmm. to care for their own health, their mental sanity, but also to help them avoid that very important sin but it's something that I don't really want to always talk about in the forefront I'm like hey guys I'm out here working because I want you guys to like not sin you know like that's not tasteful or and it's not really my vibe but it is really the foundation of why we're doing this and so everything this is why I'm like I don't care from which religion we're talking about which spiritual principles, we just need to be shown taught learned explained showing the process of how to be better humans so that we cannot fail our children and motherhood is so important so you mentioned briefly that coming onto this planet we have a purpose and something about parenthood tell us more about that
1: so you know the thought that comes to my mind is that on we have things like mothers day right um, where we are writing poems about our mothers and so on yeah now at this stage in life and even when I, and earlier i felt that there should be a child's day where uh-huh. the mothers are showing gratitude to the children because if you think mm. about it a child has chosen you mm. to be your, pa- your parents i mean it's not just mother the parents right so i i would like to refer to it as parenthood why uh, mm. uh like the the fathers, because they have an equally important role. So mm-hmm. I would like to call it parenthood rather than motherhood. Mm. Um, and so they have chosen us to be our parents. And so when I look back as a mother, for me, I became a mother at the age of 23. My first child was, wow. uh, the, the my child was born. I was 23 years old. For me, it was blossoming of so much creativity. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, because... Uh, first of all, the, the thing that, you know, that, that uh, you feel responsible for this child. In fact, when my child was born, my first child was born, I didn't sleep at all. It was like, wow, it was a like wonder, you know, when you hold your child. And mm-hmm. uh, I had given, I was given a small little private room and I kept looking at my baby all night. He was born around four in the morning. Then, uh, then quite late in the morning, they came to check on me and they saw my eyes kind of swollen and said, <laughs> what happened? I said I just couldn't sleep. I was watching my baby, this wonder, this bundle of wonder, all night. You know? And wow. um, I said, "Okay, we'll take him to the nurseries where you can sleep." I said, "No, no, no, please don't <laughs> take him off." <laughs> and that was the first, first unconditional love that mm. I experienced. Right. So there was a lot of things that happened. First of all, that wow, that you know, some that real war coming from within that. Mm. Oh, that that that's something wonder that for everything in nature yeah that wonder that uh, awe, yeah
0: that,
1: yeah that unconditional love that, mm. that you experience and you're willing to do anything any sacrifice mm. and then the sense of duty that comes with it that now it's my duty to look after mm. um, person so there's a lot of spiritual growth that happen, and and then As the child grows, you are learning creative ways of how to entertain him, how to look after him, how to do things. So a lot of creativity blossomed in me. And as he grew older and older, like one, two, three, four, I started doing, you know, we didn't believe in spending too much money on the toys. We created toys for them. Because everything is so easily available in the markets now, and we have the means also, Mm -hmm. we tend to very quick just go quickly and buy it off the shelf. But to create something on your own uh, brings much more happiness, and the child also learns to become creative. We do it together. Mm. For example, I created a sandpit for them. I created a tent for them. I created. A tree house for them. I mean, we had a small garden, uh, so we created a tree house. We just put some planks and I mm-hmm. nailed certain uh, gadgets on it. You know, like their mm-hmm. toys, phones, and this and that. And uh, um, I used to make their uh, aprons uh, to uh, not aprons. What do you call it? Those capes, capes, and hats. Mm-hmm. So we used to do it together. You know, Superman, this, that, and whatnot. So I we could have bought it, but we did it together. You know, when mm-hmm. they were two, three year old, and At the age of six, my son actually did a complete magic show for his own birthday. And everything was made at home. All the magic gadgets to do the magic Everything was made at home. We did it together. So reusing, it was reusing tissue boxes, uh, you know, all kinds of different boxes and, you know, the the wrapping papers and so on. So one of the things that we need to keep on talking to children is reuse, reduce, recycle. Mm -hmm. Reuse, reduce. Cycle, that we have to respect that trees are being cut to do this and how trees are, you know, everything, uh, uh, mm. those, those values we need to inculc- inculcate in the children.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. And how yes. do you think this, like the creative side of things, helps either the mother in that aspect? Just as you were describing, you built a tent, you built capes, you built like a sandbox, and all these things. I was just like thinking literally this is like how God works. Like it just like like, moves his hands and creates things for his children, right? And like just as you were saying that, I was like, wow, like really when we're parents, we basically, our senses are heightened in a sense to amplify God for our children because our children we want to please our children. we want them to learn if they ask something of us, we, we want to do it. We want them to learn more from what we create and that will help teach them, help educate them, help develop their interests or help develop their faculties. Wow, all that just came to my mind as you were saying this. We really get to play God essentially when we're parenting our kids
1: from the very beginning. I mean, uh, the the baby born itself is an act of creation. Yeah. From the very beginning itself, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. then we have the responsibility to then create an environment conducive where we can bring up the child. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's our responsibility, the biggest responsibility. We're talking about purpose as a parent, our biggest responsibility is to give values. Is to give values. Is that what you said? To give the best values. And, Uh, The best way to do it is by example. Even that is there uh, in the Bhagavad Gita. That when we have reached a certain state, we, instead of giving lectures,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Mm -hmm. We give it by example. Do it. Do it ourselves. For example, Mm -hmm. uh, I I still remember this. I always tell my children not to say bad words, uh, you know, not to use foul language. And uh, my children till today, except for the word idiot, they don't use any bad language at all. Wow. So at one, one time, I got very angry and I used a bad word. Right? Is it idiot? And, <laughs> <laughs> no, was than that. So, <laughs> so, uh, 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 so then my son complained to my husband, mama tells us not to use bad words and look, she used it. That was the last time I did. Mm. Because I realized that if I don't, yeah. how can I teach something that I, have, I don't uh, follow? yeah and other thing, if you want the few other small small tips uh, which I used to follow is praise other children if they do well, we must praise the other children too. Mm-hmm. We should be able for them to find the joy in the joy of others. That's very important. Mm. Um,
0: so like for you to praise like their the children's friends, not yeah. just them, to also praise the other children that are next to them.
1: Mm. Yes, interesting. Yeah. So, so then there is no jealousy there. You know, envy reduces, not in a way to make the other person down. No,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it should be done in a very tactful way. That's why you become creative, even in your words. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to do it with such, you become very skillful that you praise the other child not to show sometimes, you know, mothers do that to praise yes. the other child to show your child down. No, Yes. it is to inspire the child. Mm. Do it in a way. Oh, we should also do something like this. Shouldn't we? Yeah, he did it so well, right? Yeah, something like that. You know, to exactly. inspire, rather than to envy. Mm. And from the beginning, one should because ultimately we are all we are all going to become adults, live in this world, and we mm. cannot be good in every every field. There will be others who will be good in other fields, and yeah. we have to let them be without feeling jealous because mm. the world is made up of different compartments, and everybody has to work in their own compartments and create harmony. Each one has a job to do in this world. Hmm.
0: Let's rip that right open. Let's talk about that. Let's park ourselves on jealousy for a moment, because this is something that is very interesting. I have a lot of people who have many jealous feelings around me, and I'm just wondering, and I also have them sometimes.
1: The superiority complex and inferiority complex, these are the complexes that create jealousy and Mm. it actually stems down from ego. And we have to understand what is ego. Ego means separateness. Ego is our identity. Mm. It gives us our identity and it's necessary because if we don't have an identity, how will we know what is our duties, what are responsibilities, what Mm. we're supposed to do. That is the purpose of identity, Mm -hmm. right? But when the purpose becomes separation, The more ego we have, the more separate we feel from the other. Mm -hmm. You you understand? Ego is what creates separation. When a child is doing well, we feel very happy. When our husbands do well, we feel happy because we feel the connect. Mm -hmm. Their happiness is our happiness. Mm -hmm. But when we don't feel the connect, it means there's separateness. Mm -hmm. That is where ego has come in and there's a ego has brought the big gap. Mm. and that is why we feel jealous because if I thought my that friend is my own sister say for example okay not using what my own close to me mm-hmm. in her she's doing very well and she's happy okay. I should feel I mean jealousy is something that will come up naturally mm-hmm. but we keep correcting ourselves. we don't have to feel bad just become aware and mm-hmm. say oh coming from the ego mm-hmm. it's because I feel separate from her let mm-hmm. her be happy. God let her be happy and let mm-hmm. me be happy too. pray for yeah. her and pray for me too. Yeah. Don't ignore ourselves. Let yeah. her, let her be happy and me too. And yeah. you know that. So that we are, we have to reduce that gap. And that is why all the problems in this world is, is the gap, the mm-hmm. separate religious sex between people, between friends, between things. And the other is the ego creates me and mine. Only mm-hmm. my things have to be the best. Only me have to be best. Mm all coming from that ego and we have to reduce that ego mm-hmm. which is uh, you know we have to dissolve that, ego. we have to surrender that ego mm-hmm. and ego is 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 what will bring us close to divinity as well because eventually mm-hmm. the, the, the substratum of this whole universe is of this created universe as well is God. Mm-hmm. It's the divine energy. That same divinity is there in all of us. Mm-hmm. It's actually the same divinity in all of us. So Um, it's when as we evolve, we we can see that common oneness in each one. And then all these things like jealousy, envy, all that begins to fall off. So when we are working on a jealousy, we're actually evolving closer and closer to the higher consciousness.
0: Mm. I I like um, the way Rumi talks about jealousy is looking at someone's light and denying your own. Mm. If we're one, that light that you see in someone else, if you are able to recognize it, any quality in someone else that you see that you enjoy and you like, the fact that you can even recognize it means that you have it. But jealousy means denying that you have it. It's like failure, actually, not to see the other person's light, but failure to see your own.
1: And so- of putting it.
0: In. That has always really helped me. And, and so it's always like when I have to counsel a lot of my clients when it comes to jealousy, I'll like share a lot like where is it that you're denying your own sense of power or why do you not think that that power is in you? And then they're like, oh, well, it's not here. Like I'm not showing it or I don't have this or and this, but the potential is there and one needs to exercise it, right? I want to go into talking about Some of the verses that's in the Bhagavad Gita that might help mothers in their motherhood whilst a mother, either for themselves, their own mental health or their parenthood or for their child. I don't know. Like Just tell us everything that (laughs) the way that the Bhagavad Gita
1: can help us. Um, so the Bhagavad Gita doesn't directly talk as motherhood, but mm-hmm. gives us general advisors. Like I said, uh, you know, we have to know our duties, our purpose. And if so if we focus on those things, so our purpose changes also as we go along. Uh, mm-hmm. It evolves. Our purpose evolves as we go along as um, well. Gratitude. Yes. And surrender. It's very, very important. Very, mm-hmm. very important. I mean, I realized this when I was bringing up my children Mm. that we naturally tend to worry Mm. for every small thing, right? Because we think you are are in charge for everything. We are in charge. We are responsible for everything, right? So, but when we are able to hand over our problem to somebody else Mm. higher. Mm. So even for our children and Bhagavad Gita stresses a lot on surrender. So, so we have to have a connection with the divine. We have, first of all, we we have to come to a space that there is a power that is, it doesn't have to have a form. Mm. It could be light. It could be, there is, there is a power that is running the show. Mm -hmm. He has created us all and Mm -hmm. we can connect to it. He, he could be a friend. He could be an angel looking up, looking on us, whatever we should be able to connect and surrender that, you know, I've done my bit. Now you help, you know, but we have to do a hundred percent before we do that. We do a hundred percent. We do what we we know. Yeah. So, We do what we know. Yeah, we do know. We know what we do, what we can do, and then we surrender. We have to say now, please help. Even when when you are uh, disciplining a child, you know, and the child is not listening to you, for example, Mm -hmm. then you pray to the divine Mm -hmm. and you say that give him sadbuddhi. We say sadbuddhi. Sad means good. Mm -hmm. Buddhi means intellect. Give him an intellect which (laughs) will make him understand Mm -hmm. the the right values and right this thing. because there's only so much we can do because we too have a personality and the child has a personality it mm. could be a clash mm-hmm. they, right so then he will get inspired by positive influence through other sources and mm-hmm. it's very important to go to groups where the you know like my daughter-in-law has a group called virtues uh, when my children were growing up we sent the children to something called balvihar where the children used to go you uh, know a group of children used to go uh, connected to a temple or mm-hmm. or uh, in a small religious thing where they learned such amazing values that you can't learn from home home environment because mm-hmm. parents are constantly telling do this do this do this do this but when it comes from somebody else mm-hmm. other than your teachers and other than your thing and you're doing it with other children mm-hmm. you get inspired to do mm-hmm. and my children had but that's what—lot of positive influence from that, from that being with that group. Amazing mm-hmm. positive influence. I also also send them when they were young to um, uh, to these breathing uh, to these short courses where they were taught breathing exercises and so on.
0: So tell us and, actually uh, a little bit about these breathing exercises. So I, with the Yoga avec moi business, I've created like a twelve-week breath program. At the beginning of the pandemic because my educational background is in control of infectious diseases. So I really wanted to specify because some of the yogic practices requires the hand and my public health mind was going crazy being like, don't touch your hands to your face when you're wearing like all these masks and things like that. So like I created like a 12-week breath course that was specifically designed during a pandemic and it was actually mostly made for physicians, but also for mothers So that anyone who's actually taking care of another human life, that they would be able to adjust themselves to be able to assist others. Because research has shown that you cannot make uh, creative solution decisions when your body is in a stressed state. You first have to adjust your body to a calm state. And the calm state is a part of the, the autonomic nervous system. Which is basically automatic in that sense, and there's no way to jumpstart it essentially other than using a long six count of exhale breath. Can you tell us a little bit about like how mothers can develop a breath practice or why that is important
1: to begin with? So there are uh, many breaths which help. Are you, have you heard of the Ujjayi breath, mm-hmm. the breath of luxury? Yeah. So they say that that actually energizes a subtle body as well. Mm, the, so ujjayi body of, the Ujjayi breath. The Ujjayi breath. The breath of... Uh, we have many layers of bodies, right? We have mm. basically three layers of bodies. And apart from this gross body, we have a body of light, a body of breath, or body of energy called mm-hmm. astral body. Okay? So when we do the, the breath of joy, the Ujjayi breath, mm-hmm. we are energizing that body. So when we... Uh, even when we're sleeping during the night, just place our hands on the stomach mm-hmm. and do the yogic mm-hmm. breathing, You know, bring our stomach out when we're breathing in and bring it in. in when we're breathing out. So that also expands our lungs. We normally don't use the lower lobe of our lung. So mm-hmm. this way, when we do that, diaphragm goes down. When we bring our stomach out, our diaphragm goes down and we're able to use a lower lobe. So breathing more, when we breathe more fully, mm. then we are able to release toxins also fully. We most of our toxins are released through our breath, and we are not even using this lungs efficiently. Mm-hmm. So, but when we do this ujjay breath, in this manner, we are also energizing our um, subtle body, the body mm-hmm. of light, and you know, deep, long, slow. It should not be noisy, and. You know, this is something that we were born with this knowledge, and it gets lost. If you watch a small baby sleeping in the room, you will see his stomach is out and in. Right? Yeah, out breathes in. He's he's breathing in yogic breath. You know, a young baby even in Yeah,
0: they yeah. naturally breathe like they're and, supposed and the to.
1: Also, yeah, and the breath also is ujjayi breath. So they already know. See, there are a lot of things. You know, it happens naturally, instinctively. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, you know, sucking the thumb. This is this is called the. Uh, this is also a special mudra. Mm-hmm. We, we put our thumbs like this on our uh, thing and do. This is the mudra. Yes. Meru Danda Mudra, where uh, the energy is flowing up and down the spine. It's it's it strengthening our spine. Interesting. Right? The kids, they actually, uh, when they're, they're sucking the thumb, thumb, that is a way of keeping their thumbs straight because that's what is developing. Then that's this so mudala- fascinating.
0: I used to do this. You know, my thumbs are like much thicker than other people because I th- suck them so much when I was younger. And they say oh. that like people who suck their su- thumbs are like really good self-soothers. Like, it's no wonder that I'm a therapist, that I not only know how to, like, soothe myself, but I'm helping others soothe themselves, too. And so it's really, I've never heard this, like, that you were talking about how keeping your thumb straight, you're actually energizing the spine. Go, baby, Nahal! You
1: knew what you were doing! (laughs) So this is called the Meru Danda Mudra. Um, we place it on our we sit in cross leg and we place it on our thighs and then we uh, concentrate on our breath and down the spine and we're energizing the spine. Mm-hmm. Then we have this 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 mudra. You know, when kids are born, they born, they they're all concentrated. Like exactly the brain which is developing.
0: Stabilizes. This is, yeah. This is yeah. the grounding grounding mudra where you put your thumbs uh, in your in the palm of your hands the and then the, cross yeah. your forefingers down. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. so all these things, nature has, mm. uh, it happens instinctively and then this knowledge gets lost. But when we do it consciously, mm. in the Ujjayi breath, we do it with these mudras, the Chinmaya mudra, you mm-hmm. know, all these Chin mudra, Chinmaya mudra, this um, mudra, all these uh, help to, Calm the body. Mm. And then, when we are very tired, there is something called Bhastrika. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I mean, now because my screen is different, but putting your hands up and down, you know, breathing out, or the Kapalabhati. These are yeah. quick energizers, Kapalabhati, mm-hmm. Bhastrika. And then there is one which is taught to children where you just do,
0: you know, mm-hmm. to change
1: the energy. Uh, like to, exhale, uh, ex- forced exertion that. of exhale. exhale force, and move your ha- hands, you know, from up down. to down. Uh-huh. Throw it, like, like shake it off. It's like Release it the off. energy, yeah. Release the energy and it changes. There is a change which happens. Uh-huh. Just do it only three, four times. No need to do it constantly. Uh-huh. Go to a place where nobody is hearing. For example, if you're really exhausted or very angry for the anger, anger. In the Bhagavad yeah. Gita, has been condemned as one of the worst things. That tell me, is. tell me more about that, Sunita Ji. <laughs> I, I deal with a lot of
0: anger. That is my weakness, for sure.
1: <laughs> so, if you want to be angry, be angry about something big, instead of be small, small be Angry about something big means, <laughs> you know, like uh, use your energy to be angry or ups- angry yeah. about something like injustice. global warming, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. global warming, uh, river yeah, yeah. regeneration, and then yes. use energy towards that. Why mm. waste your energy for small, small things, you know, getting angry and being and sulking and all that. It's mm. really, really condemned by, by Bhagavad Gita. And it, Bhagavad Gita says that this is coming out of uh, one of the qualities called rajas, the activating quality and, mm. and attachment, desires. Mm. That is what anger this is the root cause attachment desires cravings and aversion these are the root cause for anger and anger um cravings actually, and aversions you know we attachments have, yeah yeah it comes from attachments it means that we crave for something so much that if we don't have it we are going to it yeah. need not be a thing it could be a person place, situation yes an act we crave mm-hmm. for having things we don't have to be perfect all the time. We have, as a mother, we have to sometimes let go. Mm. Today is a cool day. We're not going to tidy up at all. Let it be, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. We have to have those kind of days. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I think- and so they say that, Shri Krishna says in one verse, completely one verse dedicated, many verses, but one verse completely dedicated that it clouds our intellect, which means mm. our thinking is inhibited. Our clear thinking is inhibited. Yeah. And that's why, Lot of wrong acts happen in the in the in anger in anger. We -hmm. say things which we don't mean to. We may do Mm -hmm. things which we don't mean to. So, what is the root cause? So, Mm -hmm. he he goes back to the cause Mm -hmm. of anger. Yeah, Uh, so rajas is one of the things one of rajas is one of the qualities which is action, anger, uh, which is. Rajas is the act which is restlessness craving aversion mm-hmm. action is just one word there are many descriptions for it mm-hmm. and and we need to go back and look at our food we need to look at our activities we need to look at you know what we are watching what we're eating what company we keep and basically food as well and mm-hmm. what are our desires that is you know uh, is our desire are we desiring something craving for something that is that is what is creating this is mm-hmm. you know we need to work for what we are doing, but we have to learn the knack of doing it in a calm way.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm definitely not.
1: <laughs> I definitely yeah. don't. When I you want something, to, it's
0: little, it's yeah. very, it's so intense that it's almost like blinding of how much I want it. And I usually get it. That, that's the thing. Like, I think one of the reasons why I get it is because I want it so much, but mm. I would love... <laughs> to want things a little less or to not have to almost burn my entire being to obtain something. But yeah, I think I think mothers can definitely relate to this. They talk to me a lot about anger, deep-seated anger, anger that they're frightened of themselves. In the Baha'i writings, it says two emotions. You must avoid a lion, which is anger and jealousy. We both, yeah. it's so funny that we've mentioned this, both of them in this interview, naturally.
1: This so I will send you that, um, that verse. verse as well. A couple Please. of verses that I'll send you because it very clearly says, see, mm-hmm. the human psychology hasn't changed. This was t- said, told 5,000 years ago. And actually it's eternal knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it has understood the human mind very, very well. The secrets of the human mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing is acceptance.
0: Hmm.
1: Acceptance, tolerance. We have to teach our children acceptance, tolerance, titiksha. We we need to do it not as a suffering, but as a strengthening. I mean, for example, any achievement, any sport or anything, you know, the the there is endurance, right? They they need to go beyond their comfort zone to strengthen their muscles and all all that. But here in spirituality, we're talking about overall, not just physical. How the mind also endures to the opposite to the dualities mm. then come then comes acceptance of uh, fat or thin black or white uh, you know hot and cold all, all those dualities we are able to new nu- have a neutral without judging too harshly it's not a passive thing this is not being passive yeah it it is accepting and then we take action but if you don't accept and we're struggling with it mm. how will we take action yes so, so those things (laughs) we need to work on as well again that is mentioned in in the Bhagavad Gita as well Mm -hmm. you know from the beginning we have to teach the children to value to know however rich we may be however it just you had mentioned it earlier however rich we may be the children should know the value of things Mm -hmm. they have to know that just because it's available that they can't keep on asking and keep on having there has to be a limit delayed gratification, which means mm. okay, fine. This we have already bought something this week. Mm. Let's wait for you know. Give it a name for an occasion on Papa's birthday, on my birthday, on your birthday, because there are only five birthdays in a this thing. Or some some you know. Give it a name mm. uh, to okay when when your uh, your this holiday comes. Like delay it a bit so that they're not given instantly. They should mm. be able to. We should not. We are weakening them when we give to the given to the demands too easily. Mm. We, have to, we have to strengthen them. We have to learn them, teach them to wait. We have to say, "Oh, this is very expensive." If there are many children, for example, we will share, mm-hmm. right? And teaching them sharing, we will have only one and we will share. We'll take turns to play with it. Mm-hmm. You know, normally we, it's so much easier because it's more peaceful in the house that you get one for each person, mm-hmm. right? That, that we do shortcut, but if we teach them then no we'll get just get one and we'll take turn monday tuesday this one monday tuesday wednesday so and so will use this is this, this you know some sort of a rule like that mm-hmm. sharing has become very less i feel. other thing is that preserving the things so that we can pass it on when we have grown out of a certain toy we you know we can pass it on to either cousin or a friend and to keep it nice and intact like you know we we get this interest and we throw it and it's thrown in the bin. So no, let's, or, or to an orphanage or to old people. So child should also be involved in cleaning it up. When we give it, we have to give it nice. Let's clean it up and you know wrap it nicely and give it as a present. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So it's reuse. Mm-hmm. Reduce, recycle, reuse. Again, in a different form mm-hmm. uh, where we are, We that thing has its value. Normally what happens, once a child has lost its charm for the toy, the toy has no more value. Mm-hmm. It's gone it's rubbish. But that toy still has value for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we must make aware. And it's okay to have even things from your cousins. If they have grown out of something, mm-hmm. it should be able to. doesn't have to be brand new things. As long as it's in good condition, clean, hygienic, mm-hmm. we can be able to accept that. So all these
0: this was my childhood, being the third child, I have two older brothers, I would always get boy hand-me-downs. I was never, <laughs> I was not pleased with this, but I think I definitely, I don't know if I learned anything from it, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but then uh, it is, the parent should balance it. It's not that that child always becomes a second-hand child. No, it gets new yeah. things too. Yeah. Uh, and also definitely- had- also value you know these things and even clothes for example you know party clothes a child grows out of it so quickly so you know wrap it up and say can we give it in this orphanage or give it here or there yeah we have to pass it on because that thing should not lose its value if it's still good if it's still working if it is still an intellectual game so we then that way we learn to look after our things as well we don't destroy Yeah. It's really
0: interesting that you share this because I, I remember a hearing in someone's wedding the story being shared of how it's important that we learn how to fix things or like when we choose a mate, it's important to see how they reuse or renew or fix things essentially, because that kind of shows their attitude of when something goes wrong, like how they're willing to mend it or fix it or within the marriage between relationships between people. Because when you learn how to fix things instead of just throwing away or just tossing it out when something doesn't appeal to you or appease you or, you know, that you have the skills to be able to bring it anew to either fix something or to soup something up, you know, re redecorate like a furniture and make it to your liking. If it wasn't to your liking before, like with a new coat of paint or uh, a sheer gloss or something like that, you know? And so, yeah, I think not only with the children does that, make sense to yeah. teach them but it also them. Yeah, yeah and to and to show that also with like your spouse as well mm-hmm. oh my gosh Suni Tiji, i feel like yes. we could like uh-huh. go on this would just be like an a roll on of conversations like <laughs> like over and over again thank you so yes. much for coming on the yam podcast and sharing this this is definitely one thing that i really wanted to share with my audience. I don't often get a chance to be able to share the yogic scriptures or like the Bhagavad Gita with them very directly, but it's more like in terms of the principles that are shared or the virtues that are shared for your physical, energetic, mental, emotional health or your careers. But for this to be able to share in such a direct way, I honestly, I think I'm going to have to provide the glossary of all the words. (laughs) so that everyone is learning like basically a whole new language when we start talking about these things. But yeah, thank you so much for um, oh, thank, joining thank us.
1: Thank you. Um, I enjoyed it very much because you connected it to everything that you were doing or, or Baha'i Faith talks about. Uh, so it was, there was a lot of connect, you know, harmony in what we were talking.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, uh, so likewise for me to, uh, you know, to to listen to what you had to say i enjoyed it so thank you for that
0: (laughs) and i and i'm so i'm so happy that this is not the last time that we're going to (laughs) be being in the same place together and that we're going to continue our study sessions of the bhagavad-gita hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as i did love to hear your thoughts as always in the blogs we're going to include some notes some terminologies of yoga in case it's your first time and you want to go look it up some more. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you liked about the podcast. Hashtag rewatch, replay it. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear it. And do leave us a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast.
1: And see you in the next episode.